The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 to number 1. That's what a top show, top 5 show does. And this is Top <laughs> 5. So we're here, and we're already, we're already, we're already doing it right. And here, hanging from the rearview mirror, is a bloody hook! This week's episode comes to us from one of our fantastic listeners. Uh, suggested Top 5 Urban Legends. Our Top 5 Urban Legends. This could go all over the place. And to prove it, I'm going to start off with my my number five, which has recently become my new favorite urban legend. The sea is salty because of whale sperm. What? Yes. According to this viral factoid, a blue whale produces more than 400 gallons of sperm when it ejaculates. That is true. No, it's not. (laughs) But only but only a few gallons actually reach their intended target, which means that horny whales are filling the ocean with salty sperm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that is an mm-hmm. urban legend, in fact. Yeah, that tracks, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, uh, in fact, a, a blue whale only produces at most, at most, not 400 gallons of sperm, but five gallons of sperm. Oh, well, that's an entirely different matter. That is a totally different matter. So that is my number five, which I, I don't, I found this like maybe a month ago. It just popped up. And I was like, what is this stuff? And it just started making me laugh. So that yeah, is my people. my number five. The sea is salty because of whale sperm. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew, what do you have for your number five? My number five is very, very important. And here is why. It's partly urban legend. It's partly just bad etymology. But when I was in college in, let's say, about 1992, 1993, this started making the rounds as a thing that don't ever say this because now I appreciate and actually support the reasons why they say don't ever say this because and no, it's not the C word and no, it's not Bloody Mary into a mirror. It's actually the rule of thumb. And mm-hmm. I was we were told that the rule of thumb states that in the in the reign of Charles the Havafav, the rule of thumb stated that you could beat people in your home with a stick so long as it was no, no larger than the diameter of your thumb. This is not true. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't say it because people still believe that that is the case. And when people believe that something is the case and you say it, you can still really tick people off. And it's best to you know stay away from those sort of morass situations. But Apparently, and I looked this up today when we were talking about it, the belief in the rule of thumb is literally like 500 years old. It dates back to the 1700s, which is not 500 years ago. But stay with me. Math is not Mm -hmm. my strong suit. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that I keep hearing this and I hear it repeatedly and people repeat it almost mindlessly. If you say rule of thumb, someone will tell you, you know what that means. I don't think I've ever had anybody tell me that. Really? really? Except for I, except I, for I except for Matthew. Really 
Yeah, you maybe maybe you don't hang out with Carl, but but of course I had never say rule of thumb. So well, that's true, and you know it is a kind of a meaningless phrase. But there is no ancient law or doctrine ever on any books anywhere that states that terrible thing is true. However, that doesn't mean that you you know can't have people come at you and say, well, that's a reference to domestic abuse. And at that point, you go, oh, well, sorry, that's not actually true. And then you get into a whole fight. Best to just avoid it. But it should be noted for future reference that that is, in fact, an urban legend. It is not specifically a reference to domestic abuse. However, it's still a dumb thing to say. So, you know, you got that going for you, which is nice. All right. Thank you for that. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number five? Uh, my number five uh, was something is something that I it recently uh, came back into my consciousness. I had, I had read this story before, and then uh, I recently got a job that includes uh, taking donations from people. Okay, and every once in a while, somebody will donate like a really old-looking piece of furniture or like a jewelry box or something. And like anytime I look at something like that, I'm like, I really hope there isn't a Dibbuk inside this. Um, <laughs> and I'm talking about the legend of the Dibbuk box, which is which you can find online. Um, I think there's like a whole book written about it. And basically, it's like this lady from Poland um, got uh, all the way through the Holocaust, moved to Spain, and then acquired this box that supposedly has this uh, weird trickster monster demon spirit inside and uh then some someone else got it in an estate sale and basically misfortune and and big overt misfortune follows this <laughs> box and it is like super creepy um so anytime i uh I come across anything like this. I just hand it to one of my less superstitious coworkers and be like, "Hey, this is a cool thing, isn't it? Yeah, you look at you open it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look at something else <laughs> uh, because I'm I'm actually secretly terrified of releasing some sort of uh, Dibbuk slash Wishmaster slash some other uh, monstrosity that's been uh, trapped in a in a uh, filigree box. You never want to do that. No. Never. No. You never Avoid do. if possible. Yes. If you want to find out more about that, go check out the 2012 movie called The Possession. That's right. The oh. Possession is based on the on the Dibbuk box yeah. uh, myth. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are through with our number fives. We are now on to our number fours. And this is one that popped up literally two days ago for me. And I was like, what? No way. And then I did some research and I found out, oh, boo, because the story is much more impressive than uh, the, the that reality. Yes. So apparently this has been going around. This is from an email from 2002. Uh, dialogue from The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson with his guest Lee Marvin. Uh, Johnny's asking him about uh, the fact that Lee Marvin was a Marine, uh, landed at Iwo Jima, and during the course of the action, he earned the Navy Cross and was severely wounded. And um, Lee Marvin says, and you know how he goes, yeah, yeah, I got shot square in the ass and they gave me the cross for securing a hot spot about halfway up the uh, halfway up the whatever it is, the Cerberachi. Bad thing about getting shot up on a mountain is guys getting shot hauling you down. But uh, Johnny at Iwo, what does it say? But Johnny at Iwo uh, served under the bravest man I ever knew. Oh, okay. I served under the bravest man I ever knew. We both got the cross the same day, but what he did for his cross made mine look cheap in comparison. The dumb oh. bastard actually stood up on a red beach and directed his troops to move forward and get the hell off the beach. That sergeant, 
and I have been life that sergeant and I have been lifelong friends. When they brought me off the the, the beach, we passed the sergeant. And he lit a smoke and passed it to me, lying on my belly on the on the uh, cot. And he said, "Where'd they get you, Lee?" Well, Bob, if you make it home before me, tell mom to sell the outhouse. Johnny, I'm not lying. Sergeant Keishan was the bravest man I ever knew. Bob Keishan, you know him today as Captain Kangaroo. Now, that sounds incredible, that Captain Kangaroo would stand up and uh, try to to divert the the shooting so that his uh, fellow soldiers can get safely to where they need to be. Uh, And just by that, it's like, fantastic. Holy cow. And it was said on The Tonight Show. Well, not quite. Uh, it turns out that Bob Keeshan, Captain Kangaroo, uh, enlisted a little bit too late to be mm-hmm. able to go to Iwo Jima. And while he was in the military, uh, he did not serve with Lee Marvin and he did not uh, attack Iwo Jima. And so that story is completely false. Also false, mm-hmm. any rumors and just kind of tying these two together, any rumors that uh, Mr. Rogers was a badass Marine and right. had to wear sweaters to cover up the uh, tattoos on his uh, on his arm. Yeah. That he was like a sniper with yeah, the yeah. most kills ever or something. Yeah, yeah. So that is my number four. Captain Kangaroo was a war hero on Iwo Jima. Not true. But still, we thank him for his service and all soldiers for their service. And for the ping pong balls. Yes. Uh, Matthew, what do you have for number four? My number four is almost into the realm of folklore. But then when you talk about an urban legend, really is folklore. And it's based on something that keeps coming up, the recurring motif of the phantom train. Oh, I thought the, you were going to say the phantom toll booth. The phantom toll booth. No, yeah. a phantom train. There are a lot of stories about the phantom train. My grandmother used to tell a story about a phantom locomotive. But this one always fascinated me. A few years ago when I was working at a particularly boring job, I used to prowl Wikipedia to kill time. And I hit uh, just a bunch of Wikipedia pages, and I found out about Zilverpilen. Yeah. Zilverpilen, which is uh, Swedish for, I believe, Silver Arrow, mm. is the story of a basically a haunted subway train. It's not a subway, actually. I believe it's an elevated train. But at the point in time that they were doing it in the 60s, all of Stockholm's trains were green. And they all were had the same interior, save for one. Mm-hmm. There was one test train Uh-oh. that was silver. Yeah. And it was slightly different in design and shape. And the doors were different than all the other trains. And they used this as a backup. And this is factually accurate. This train did exist and they used it as a backup. But over the years, people started reporting seeing this train, this silver train, the silver peeling showing up at places where they shouldn't be and showing up in the middle of the night and yeah. people getting on this train and never getting off. Oh, <gasps> they changed or the, even better. They changed the toll while they were on board and they couldn't get off. And people claimed that uh, they got on the Zilver Pelin and they were surrounded by kind of half phantom figures of people who may or may not exist. Ah. Um, they're actually a version that claims that there is an abandoned ghost station ah. somewhere in Stockholm that the Zilver Pelin will stop at. And if you get off at that station, then you enter the realm of the dead and cease to exist. It seeks to exist. Only the dead get off at this station is how the story goes. Yeah. But it's, it's just this lovely bit of agglomerated legend based on the fact that at one point they had one train that was a little bit different, 
But over the years, it's apparently turned into this ongoing cool ghost story about the Zilverpeel and the ghost train. And that's why I will never visit Scandinavia. <laughs> yeah, you won't even visit the Scandinavian section of Worlds of Fun. Hey, I go to IHOP. Steven hasn't trusted blonde people since that first uh, one movie with the uh, telekinetic children back in the 60s. What they the, call that? Uh, Village of the Damned. Village of the Damned, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take place in Scandinavia, yeah, though. The, the, the Erickson <laughs> twins freaked him out. They are pretty creepy kids. So Yeah, they are. I'm I you. hope they took the silver train. And that's why my number four is the silver train. <laughs> Rodrigo, you what do you have for number four? Silver train. Uh, my number four is is interesting because it's it's an urban legend that kind of weirdly uh, reinforces an actual law. Okay. Um, hmm. In uh, in Utah, there is a national park called Escalante Petrified Forest, mm-hmm. um, and supposedly. If you take yeah. the uh, petrified wood home with you, you are subject to a curse. Oh, I don't know where my the, parents. I don't know where my parents got their petrified wood, but I'm pretty sure I've been cursed. Yeah. Um, so, if not for that, yeah. for something else, I'm sure. This this story kind of uh, kind of makes the rounds and appears because people hear about the curse. They go to this park. And they take the petrified wood, which you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to remove anything from this place. It's illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people, you know, obviously they're not going to have like giant uh, checkpoints in, in a national park. Well, I mean, they might, but this place is big enough that it's difficult. Um, so people take it. And then uh, bad luck happens to them and they mail it back to the park. Mm-hmm. They just put in a parcel and they send it back. And according to like the the park rangers, they get like yeah, basically one a month yeah. back, more or less. Where it's just like somebody says, "Like, oh, I'm sorry, I told this. I've had really bad luck." Wasn't was I don't know if you're done with that story yet, but I've got a question on that. Mm-hmm. Wasn't this a story made up by the park? It's or the curse. The curse was made up by the park. Supposedly not. Oh, okay. Supposedly, from what I've read. The ranger or the the people involved in the park um, are always like, why is any of this happening? Why do we have to like receive all these parcels with like fossilized stuff? (laughs) It would make a lot of sense that it was made up by the park. Yeah, because they can't Um, afford to they can't afford to patrol it. So they make up this weird curse story. Sure, sure. And then they take care of themselves. The problem with it is, though, is that it's also attractive you Mm -hmm. know we talked about the dibbuk box and Mm -hmm. like people have specifically made orders on it people want to buy that box and like test it out for themselves right (laughs) and it's the same thing with this it's like people are like i'm not worried about it and then they specifically go there specifically take the cursed uh petrified wood and then later on they're like oh no gotta send this back so it's it's probably like an ongoing like issue with them. Um, mm-hmm. If they did make it up, it might have backfired. Um, although in the end, I guess they're probably seeing more traffic through the park, and uh, presumably there's some sort of toll here or there. So maybe they, they are making more money. They have a display in their museum. Yeah, about it too. So yeah, I, I, it's it's an in, it's a point of interest, but I can't imagine that it's 
that big of a deal either way. I, I can't right. imagine that they're making that much more money because tourists are like, let's go to the haunted forest. Um, and also, you know, the, there's the cost involved in like having somebody always be there and sign for packages full of, you know, stuff that was in the park to begin with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. All mm-hmm. right. We are up to what are number threes already? Number three. This one is a variation of a uh, story that appeared first in The Vanishing Hitchhiker from way back in 1981. And it goes a little something like this. Two roommates at college. They've got a test the next day. Oh, God. Uh, And um, one of them, they both agree that they're going to study really hard that night and they're going to cram so that they can do really good on this test. Well, one of the girls gets asked out to a party by a guy she really, 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 really likes. And the roommate's like, I really don't want to go to the party with you. Let's let's just stay here. And the girl says, you know what? I really want to try to make good with this guy. She goes off. The roommate stays home uh, and uh, crams for the test. She goes off and has a good time at the party. She comes back late and she plans on cramming the next morning. But she goes back late, doesn't want to wake her roommate up, quietly goes into the room gets into bed and goes to sleep and everything's fine. She just assumes that her roommate has, has fallen asleep. Next morning, she gets up, wakes up a little bit late, sees her roommate is still in bed asleep and goes over to shake her and wake her up. And she rolls her roommate over and the roommate has had her neck slashed and she's dead. She's been <sighs> murdered. And then the roommate yeah. looks up on the wall and written in the blood of her roommate is, are the, is the phrase, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Meaning that she would have, the killer was in the room with her when she came back from the party. Da 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 da! It's pretty. Creepy. I hate those stories. I it's pretty creepy. A, there's a, there's a number of different variations on this. Like I said, this first yeah. started in uh, the roommate's death by right. Jan Harold Brunvard or, or Brunvond Brunvond Jan, Jan, oh, Jan Brunvond. Brunvond. Uh, like I said in uh, in uh, the visiting hitchhiker book in uh, 1981. So go check that out. It's pretty creepy. That whole book is a trip. I, I think I read. Recommend. I think I read this when I was like ten or eleven years old. Would have been eleven years old. Yeah. Um, and even read some of the stories to my class during a Halloween or something like that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a good one, and it keeps circulating. And I and I, you know, some kids at college will probably say, "Hey, you heard about the girl over at the other university, right? You don't want that to happen." Yeah. So uh, maybe that's what I'll tell the students next time when there's a test coming up, and I'll tell it right around Halloween. Mm-hmm. So it's like make so sure make sure you go light. out and party. Yeah, make Ooh. sure you don't go out and party. Stay home and stay home and study. Stay kids. home and don't be Sa- a stupid. Safer in groups. Yep. All right, that is my number three, Matthew. What do you have for number three? Picture it with me. Okay. London. Oh. In the year 1912. <laughs> okay. The White Star Line is about to send off. Their greatest achievement, the largest passenger liner ever made. Uh-huh. Four smokestacks, like 1,500 people. It's like 900 feet long and lots of other measurements as well. A floating the, city. The RMS Titanic. Yeah. And as it crossed the ocean. I mean, it's, ocean, it's unsinkable, right? The unsinkable un- Titanic? Unsinkable. Yeah. That's what, that's what somebody claimed. Yeah. And they crossed the ocean one night in April of 2012 on its maiden voyage. Maiden voyage. The Titanic struck an iceberg and went down at the head. 
Oh, man. And like 1,500 lives were lost. I hope somebody had a warranty on that. Almost immediately, people started speaking of my number three, the Titanic curse. Okay. This is the thing. The White Star Line Mm -hmm. had a practice of not christening their ships. And apparently the christening practice has some sort of a, a religious overtones. I don't know. You're getting the blessing of someone and you, you bust a bottle of thing across the way. I don't know how this works. But mm-hmm. there are a number of legends that claim that the Titanic curse meant that the White Star Line didn't christen the ship properly. And so it was not protected from some sort of divine retribution. And one of the legends actually states that when the ship was built, it was given the number 390. 904, which when looked at in a mirror, says no Pope. (laughs) And because uh, it was built in Ireland, in Belfast, allegedly, Mm. that this meant that the White Star Line was anti-Catholic and that somehow they had brought down the literal wrath of God on the ship. And that is why the Titanic sank on its maiden voyage. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, it should be noted that the yard number of the Titanic was actually 400. Not 666? Not, not 666 or 390904. Oh. But there are, a third? <laughs> there are a number of things rotating around this, claiming you know that there was a curse, that there were these terrible things. And of course, there is the very important note of the novel Futility right, or right. The Wreck of the Titan, which was 15 years earlier, featuring an ocean liner called the Titan, which strikes an iceberg, just like the Titanic, in the middle of the North Atlantic, just like the Titanic, which has just ridiculous parallels to the ship. The, the actual design of the fictional ship is, it is described as unsinkable. It has the same sort of uh, propeller design. It's described as having a shortage of lifeboats, just like the actual Titanic. Mm. It's, it's a fascinating thing. And people say, you put this all together. It's a premonition. That man knew because somehow he was tied into the curse and wherever the curse comes from. And, of course, there's a young lady named Jessie. And Jessie described on her sickbed as she died in Scotland, a ship going down and a man named Wally playing a fiddle. And, of course, you've heard the story of the band on the Titanic. Right, right. That yeah. stood on the deck yeah, playing on the run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That as, as the ship went down. And, of course, the violin player in the Titanic, one Wallace Hartley. Bum, bum, bum. And now you know the curse of the story. Mine are, is this so, three or two? Yeah, Good that's, Lord. Uh, that's number three. But, number three. Um, how, is, how has that been debunked, though? Well, is that's that... the thing. It's an urban legend. You can't necessarily yeah. debunk it. But you can prove that, for instance, the no pope is not actually true because the number wasn't there. And of course, you can have whatever metaphysical opinions you have about whether the christening of a ship means that it is or isn't blessed by the gods of the ocean or any gods anywhere. But I think what it really comes down to is people have built up this mythology, these legends, this snowballing effect of somehow this event echoed forward and backward in time and people, I mean, a hundred years later, it's like it was the number one selling movie in the entire universe forever and ever and ever. And then, of course, something showed up with the the blue rabbit people. But the it's blue one of those rabbit people. Yeah, you know what's that movie called? Abbott <laughs> Who Farm? framed Who framed Roger Rabbit? 
uh, no, the, the Smurfs. Smurfs. Yeah, Ab- Abattoir, the Last Airbender. But oh, okay. The thing about it is, and the thing that's really fascinating about all of these types of myths and these types of legends is, people hear things. And they sound like they should be true. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, you know, it would make this just a little better is if I tweak this story just a little bit. And it becomes just this massive ball of truthiness and it gets carried down. I mean, you can't really debunk whether or not a girl had a deathbed premonition of the ship going down and seeing Wallace playing the violin. You, you, right. it, it may be true. It may be 165% true because inexplicable things like this happen all the freaking time. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they call that girl that's why they call her whole boat because she just like fell backwards and started screaming whole boat whole boat and then <laughs> later on in the Titanic they're like hold the boat hold and for the, the rest boat. of her life that's all she could say was whole that's boat. She, say, yeah. Yeah. she used to carry her brother around his name was Bran McMuffin. Yeah. Uh Rodrigo, what do you have for your number 3? Uh my number 3 is a place in Ohio. Okay. Uh, oh, that's a terrible urban legend. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as Ohio. Oh, it's like Lemuria. Only yeah. with Every time I hear about a place in Ohio, I quietly shiver. Yeah. Ohio sank into the sea uh, <laughs> way back in the day. Lost continent um, of Ohio. Which is crazy because it's landlocked. Um, <laughs> and did they come, the 12, a farmer, yeah. a duck? <laughs> so uh, there's this... Uh, there's this uh, bridge in Fremont, Ohio, where supposedly uh, a uh, mother, uh, an unwed mother who could not take care of her child, threw the child over the bridge. Mm. And now when people drive by, they can hear a baby crying. Oh, no. Ooh, have, you, have you driven across the bridge, Rodrigo? I have not. This is in northern Ohio, oh, okay. which I very rarely make it out to. It's like... Uh, I want to say it's like between it's like between Toledo and some other place, and whoever needs to go to Toledo, um, nobody, At least nobody, nobody Max, good. Max Klinger, yeah. So uh, it's it's between uh, Toledo and where Ted Mosby lives, I think. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, this is like it's nice because it's like. I basically learned about this specifically because every once in a while the urban legend or ghost story or stuff mm-hmm. comes up in conversation mm-hmm. um, and they're like, oh, so you used to live in Ohio. Are there any good ones there? And it's like, the answer is no. There actually aren't uh, very many good urban legends in Ohio. Um, but, you know, this is one, like, this is a pretty solid one, right? It's yeah. got all the elements. It's like a creepy place that's out of the way, a ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a remorseful thing. Sometimes they say that you can also see the mother. Yeah. Um, so. And when your uh, car gets to the other side of the bridge, there's pacifier marks all over the car. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a you look back and there's a one of those yellow uh, baby on board stickers. <laughs> like, oh, no. It's now, in is the this car. the thing? Is this the thing where if you park your car on the bridge and walk away and leave your car locked on the bridge and come back to your car. Your car will be running, and there will be dusty child's footprints all over the car. No. I don't. I don't that's know about one. that one. That's uh, a different. That's one. The, that's like uh, the the crybaby bridge story. Yeah. And I don't know if that's Ohio or if no. It's there's another else. one. I think it's in Kentucky. There's a lot of places that have this where you put your car in park, like on a railroad mm-hmm. track, and then you put it in neutral, and then take your hands off, and then 
your car will move off the track <laughs> mysteriously. And when you yeah. get out, you will see these little like child fingerprints child on the back of the me. car because apparently there was a train that smashed into a bus that had stalled on the tracks uh-huh. and killed a bunch of kids. Now, this is this is one where you you're supposed to lock the car mm. and take a spare set of keys, but when you come back, your car will be running, mm. and there will be baby footprints all over the car. Hmm. And this is this is like one. Which is crazy. It's crazy because the baby was supposedly like way too young. It was like a little tiny baby. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like th- this is like how these like urban legends kind of spiral out of control. It's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like if you leave your car there, there mm. will be like an empty Taco Bell <laughs> bag in there. Wait, okay, okay. Was this a, was this a baby or like my stoner cousin? <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, hey, Matthew. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow night, I want you to come yeah. out here to Hayes. And I want uh-huh. you to park on 41st Street. Leave your car undone uh-huh. and make sure you leave $50 in the ashtray. <laughs> and I need you to walk at least a mile away from the car. Uh-huh. And then when you come back, that $50 will be mysteriously vanished. Okay. And so will your car about, radio. You know, the other thing about this one is like, you can see a lot of ways in which this could be an, an obvious thing, right? It's right, like, right. it's a bridge, so it might be creaky. So it might just sound mm-hmm. like that, especially... Mm-hmm. If you have your windows pulled up and you're driving through, yeah, um, you know, again, wind or, or uh, bridges are like natural places for like wind to rush through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if the creek is low or whatever, yeah, there's just like a thousand well, then, things that this could be. You know, you've been on. I don't know if this is a uh, metal bridge where it has metal grates instead of concrete or something, but you know, that'll make a sound as you're driving over concrete, right. yeah, kind absolutely. of concrete, and asphalt will make different sounds, and sometimes right. it's a high pitched sound that could be mistaken. Sometimes your bridge actually is just haunted, but it's not haunted by like a dead baby. It's haunted by like a like a chicken or uh, I had actually a house that was haunted by a squirrel. Yeah. So like it was coming and would steal all the nuts nuts in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, it'd be like. Like Robert Goulet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Robert Goulet. (laughs) All right. So that uh, it's interesting. We're talking about that because my number two is not Robert Goulet, but. It is seeing a modern evolution of an urban legend, and it is the Slender Man. And I know a lot of people yeah. freak out about Slender Man, <laughs> but <laughs> but Slender Man was I actually created. Slender Man was created as an internet meme in 2009 on a thread on a website called the Something Awful Internet Forum. And this guy had photoshopped a bunch of stuff and put in this guy that's really, really thin and tall, white face. You can't even see his face. These unimaginably long arms and um, basically put captions underneath them saying, hey, this the person who took this photograph was never seen again. These children were never seen again. So the Slender Man becomes this kind of a modern day boogeyman that goes out and abducts people or, or kid, kidnaps people and kills children uh, in the middle of the night. And it's really kind of fascinating because this caught on. And people have added on and added on and added on to this urban legend to the point where people really legitimately freak out when you say the word Slender Man. And it's to the point where, you know, this urban legend has become so and this is the sad part of the story. The, the urban legend has grown so much that um, was it like two years ago? These two girls really believed in the Slender Man and they tried to kill a friend of theirs. They stabbed her multiple times or maybe they were maybe the um, uh, girl was stabbed to death and they tried to blame it on the Slender Man because they're like, if we didn't if we didn't make the sacrifice to the Slender Man, he was going to take us. And that's that's a real uh, story that came out of this. 
Um, but it's fascinating to see that in this modern time, over the course of five years, we can watch the Slender Man. And I remember being uh, still working at the university when this first popped up and just being fascinated with it. it was like, oh, my gosh, look at what people are doing with this. And we're seeing this urban legend grow. And so we're actually able to track the origins and the growth of an urban legend over time. And I just find it fascinating. And that's why Slender Man is uh, my number two on the urban legends list. Wow. Yeah. Matthew, what do you have for number two? Is it also Slender Man? God, no. I find that to be creepy as hell. Really? How come? Yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, Slender Man is really great because it, it's just, it hits all those tropes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the it's, things that we already know about fictional or, mm-hmm. you know, supposedly real monsters, um, Slender Man has really come to embody. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's great. It's great writing. Basically. Oh, yeah. And in fact, people have built it up into this big folklore thing that mm-hmm. goes back yep. to, you know, Europe and all that. Right, it's just right. fascinating to read. There's one image that takes place on a playground. That's the, that's one of the original images. That playground either is or is a dead ringer for the school playground with which I grew up. Yeah, most playgrounds look alike. So, yeah. I, I understand that. I'm just telling you that it creeps me right the out. I mean, it, it makes me want to say bad words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's creepy when you see the original two photographs and then you see how people have built on to that over time. It's just it's fascinating. I'm just truly fascinated by the Slender Man. Uh, so, Matthew, what do you have for your number two? My number two is, however, a modern legend from the computer age. Okay. Um, and supposedly... It started in the late 1990s uh, on a website called coinop.org. Okay. Where they start talking about a legendary video game called Polybius. Okay. Oh, yeah, I've heard this one. Yeah. And Polybius, the people, of course, are like, well, we have pictures of it and we have these, these texts and we have these things. But supposedly in the 1980s, early, 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 like Space Invaders early, like, you know, Pac-Man early in the video game console trend, Polybius appeared in like Oregon and people were really, really in love with Polybius. It was super popular, but they found that the machines were visited by these strange men in black, like the literal, uh, what's the the men in black of of lore, and that the machines started having strange effects on the players, and they'd start Mm -hmm. to lose their memory, and they couldn't sleep, and they'd flip out, and some of them refused to ever play video games again. And one of them supposedly became a high-profile anti-gamer activist who wanted all video games banned. And this company supposedly has this strange fake German name that means sensory deprivation. And so the, the legend of Polybius states that this game supposedly was in the, in the test markets and somebody or something created it to try and find out what was going on. And of course it disappeared as quickly as it arrived and only the old school gamers ever remembered it, but it's super creepy. It is an uber creepy story. And it's one of those stories. I wish we would stop recording these scary shows when I'm home alone in the middle of the freaking night. They don't have to be scary. I'm scared. Well, I'm glad you are. Oh, scary. But The story of Polybius basically says that someone or something took advantage of that video game trend 
to either control or try to control the human brain. Yeah, there is and a whoever there or whatever they were may or may not have been entirely human. <gasps> there is a podcast called the No Sleep Podcast, which is a horror uh, audio podcast where mm-hmm. they uh, tell stories. And I believe one not too long ago, they did their own take on the Polyb- Polybius um, video game that had a very disturbing tone to it. That's maybe mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, but if people want to hear that story, I think it's on. I think it is the uh, No Sleep podcast is where I heard it because that's main. That's the main horror podcast that I listen to. Mm-hmm. It's, I it's know really that uh, the way that I actually came in, in uh, over this was Grant Morrison. Mm, okay, because there's a there's an issue of Batman Inc. where Polybius appears in the background, and I'm like, why do I know that name? And I went and I'm like, oh yeah, it's this thing. And then I started, you know, falling down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's just one of those fascinating stories where you're just like, this is so creepy. I hope it's true, and I hope it's not true, yeah. and I never want to. I'm well, going to lock all the doors. If you don't like my number two, it's Slenderman. You're not going to want to listen to my number one. But uh, before I never we get to that, to one. we have to listen to Rodrigo's number two. Blah, blah, kids. Blah, blah. Blah. Scary stuff. Ooh, Count Floyd's House of Slave Chicks. So as I've... uh, Frightening. So as I've... uh, (laughs) As I stated before, um, you know, these conversations crop up and it's like, oh, is there anything in Ohio? It's like, no. So, of course, I've lived in Ohio. I lived in Kansas. Um, So people are like, well, what about Kansas? And the answer is also mostly no. Like, Kansans are, like, a weirdly practical people. They're not, like, really prone to superstition. It has to be something pretty massive for Kansas Kansans to take notice. What they are into is UFO stuff. But this isn't oh, yeah. a UFO thing. Oh, This yeah. is, uh, and it's something that I know we've talked about before in mm-hmm. some podcasts, the uh, Gate to Hell oh, yeah. in Stahl, Kansas, near uh, Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this one, this one is great because it kind of continues to evolve. They're like, oh, there's this cemetery and somewhere in there is a hidden staircase that'll take you straight to heck. Um, and also there's like this church where like secret rituals happened. And also there's this pine tree that grew into a tombstone. Like there was a tombstone and the pine tree grew, like cracked the tombstone dun, and dun, grew dun. out of this grave. Right. And people were like, Oh, scary times. But also the church and the tree have been torn down. And mm-hmm. it's like, they were torn down at different points with no explanation given. Supposedly there's like an actual family that owns this place and they mm-hmm. weren't torn down by the, you know, they didn't do it themselves. Somebody else did it, right? And it's like, if it wasn't the family trying to keep people out of their property and they're just being like, look, let's just pave over the whole thing and stop all of these kids from um, I, I'm get, <laughs> from KU coming over and, you know, <laughs> making out, from make, yeah, making yeah, out yeah. In, the, uh, in the church. In, at the old haunted church. church. Yeah, the old haunted church. Um like, let's just pay over. If it wasn't them, then why would somebody go through all this trouble? Mm-hmm. You know, supposedly the locals in Stull have, like, chased people out. They've trailed people that have been to the cemetery for a while. So, you know, it kind of builds this whole mystique, which also makes sense because I can't imagine that there are too many roads in and out of Stull. You know, Four. I've I've been to tiny towns North, in Kansas. North, south, east, west. 
Yeah, exactly. I've been to tiny towns in Kansas and enough of them to know there's usually like four is a high count of roads into a town, you know, usually sometimes. So it's like, oh, no, those locals are following us. It's like they're not. <laughs> they're leaving town. Yeah, they're Can leaving I... town. They're going to go do something in the next town over. It's like yeah. they tracked me for 20 miles. It's like, oh, really? Did they turn down something that said, you know, <laughs> yeah, last this, no, no this exit way and... to Cloud County? Because mm-hmm. that's probably where they were going. Can, can I share something with you guys? Uh, sure. yeah, you've probably shared it before. Go ahead. This is a true thing. I used to work in Lawrence, and because the toll road— Believe it or not. The main road is a toll road. I didn't want to pay the $5 a day. I would take uh, 54th Street, 45th Street, uh, the highway that goes straight through Stull. And I did that for six years. And I would go at about 7 o'clock in the morning, so the sun is up, and I would come back about 6 o'clock at night. We did 10-hour shifts. In that time, Sarah and I passed through Stull twice a day, every day, four days a week. In that time, we never, ever saw a human being out and about during daylight hours. Never. When you drive through at night, there are lights. Sometimes there are people on porches. There are people on the street. There's a little, like, uh, fire station. Sometimes you'll see people around. You never see human beings during daylight hours in Stull, Kansas. And so... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> and so it is uh, forever known in my mind as Salem's Lot. Because <laughs> Seriously. It is the creepiest thing ever. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who goes, oh, weird, creepy things. Oh, I don't, I don't seek them out. Sometimes they find me. And sometimes it's fun to be scared. And sometimes it's fun to go, oh, creepy things have happened. This is not a fun thing. This is one of those things where it started out just weird and then it became puzzling. And then it really did become disturbing for a while. And now I don't drive through there if I can avoid it. I'll spring the two bucks to take the interstate yeah. just because I don't want to go through there and have that moment where, my brain goes, once again, no real people. We're all going to die here. To be fair, I worked in a town called Bunker Hill, Kansas, um, mm-hmm. and ha- which that had a population. Yeah, which uh, has its own stories. But the population was so small in the town that, I, I mean, I worked there for 10 years. And usually you don't see people out in the streets because the population is so small, right? It's like everybody's outside of the town farming or still at home, not farming. And it's like, it's really, they're like, there's not a population density to the point where you run into people. Um, most of the people that I ever ran into were not from Bunker Hill, which is, you know, creepy in its own way, I suppose. Yes. That place is All right. Creepy. We are up to our number ones. And Matthew, if you don't like the legend of Stull, Kansas, my number one one is the one that creeps me out, even though I know it's totally not true and I've investigated this and I've read the origin of this. It still creeps me the heck out. And I almost tried it. I almost tried this. I almost tried to take the elevator to another world. So here's how it goes. You have to be you by yourself who gets in an elevator. The building that you get into, the building that has this elevator has to be 10 stories high with an elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So exactly 10 stories or 10 stories No, it or has more? to be at least 10 stories. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. And it has to have an elevator. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the instructions for how to get to the other world. But I don't want anybody to do this because it might actually happen and 
it might freak you the heck out. And I'm not going to give you the return trip instructions, so you might try this, and then you'll be stuck <laughs> in this other world, right? What? what? So here's, here are the instructions, <laughs> and, th- and it gets really scary. So imagine – and uh, I read this uh, weekend that we were going up to Kansas City, and we were staying down at um, – at the plaza, what is it? The Hyatt uh, down at the plaza or at the um, uh, Crown Center up mm-hmm. in Kansas City, which is a tall building. And there is one point in this instructions that when you do get out of an elevator, there is something that looks like this up and around there. So here is the venturing out part. Number one, enter your chosen building and get into the elevator on the first floor alone. Do not proceed if anyone else is in the elevator with you. Press the button for the fourth floor. When the elevator reaches the fourth floor, do not get out. Instead, remain in the elevator and press the button for the second floor. When you reach the second floor, remain in the elevator, press the button for the sixth floor. When you reach the sixth floor, remain in the elevator and press the button for the second floor. When you reach the second floor, remain in the elevator and press the button for the tenth floor. When you reach the elevator to the tenth floor, press the button for the fifth floor. Okay, you got that? When you reach the fifth floor, a young woman may enter the elevator. Do not look at her. Do not speak to her. She is not what she seems. Press the button for the first floor. If the elevator begins ascending to the tenth floor instead of descending to the first, you may proceed. If the elevator descends to the first floor, exit as soon as the door opens. Do not look back. Do not speak. If you reach the 10th floor, you may either choose to get off the elevator or to stay on it. If you choose to get off, if the woman entered the elevator on the fifth floor, she will ask you, where are you going? Do not answer. Do not look at her. You will know whether you have arrived at the other world by one indication and one indication only. The only person present in it is you. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, it scares the crap out of me i'm not listening it scares the crap out of me because it's so easy to press a sequence of buttons Mm -hmm. but it's when you get to step uh uh, eight and the girl gets on the elevator don't speak to her don't look at her she's not what she seems that's when it's like oh crap what's it mean uh this and then, of course, there's some return instructions, meaning that if you if you want the things in this other world, when you look out, you will notice like a bright red cross off in the distance. And there's no one else in this world. But the world looks almost like an exact mirror of the one you just left. Mm-hmm. Um, if you and this is the thing that really scares me, because the return trip requires that you do the steps in reverse order. So instead of, you know. One, four, two, six, two, ten, two. You have to do it backwards. Ten, two, six, mm-hmm. two, five, two, whatever. And if you mess it up, you will be trapped in that other world forever. Uh, and then the, the freaky thing is this girl. You know, what yeah. should she do? What's she going to do to you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is the, the apparently if you go into this other world, you really need to make sure you know what elevator you got off on. Because you become very disoriented and you may not get back on the same elevator and you have to get back on the same elevator to make the return trip. And I doesn't matter. Every time I read this story, I start getting all all tingly and scared. And it's like, man, I don't want to do this. I almost tried it in that in in the uh, uh, building there in Kansas City. Mm. And then I was like, oh, my God, this sounds so creepy and scary. What if I get trapped in another world? But there's something about it that makes me want to try. This originally started as a Korean ghost story. Yeah. 
and you can go in and look online about it, and it tells you all about the Korean origins and everything. And there's some video of people that have tried this and some weird things that happen. There's a comic book based on this that gets really weird. Um, but it is an urban legend that still to this day freaks me out and is my number one urban legend. Where were you going to say, Rodrigo? Uh, I, when you when you mentioned that it was a Korean legend, I was like, yeah, that sounds like a Korean legend. Mm-hmm. Like. There's there's something about Korean, especially modern folklore that is like particularly creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially um, the girl, because when you see pictures of people's interpretation of this girl, it mm-hmm. looks like the girl from the ring. Sure. And it's super creepy. Ugh, blah, 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 blah. So every time I get in on an elevator, I'm tempted to do it. And then I always stop myself and go, no, man. There might be a creepy girl that gets on here and steals your yeah, soul. Like what 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 I would be most worried about uh, you doing that would be for the poor random girl that gets on the elevator on the 10th <laughs> floor or something that's just going down to the pool and then you just shatter her eardrum <laughs> screaming. Matthew, you want to try it? Absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, you can go online. You can you can do a search for Elevator to Another World on YouTube, and you can find a bunch of people have done this. There is one that is super creepy, and I'm sure it's staged this way mm-hmm. because I never see the end of it because I guess the elevator doesn't go – it doesn't ascend when you press the, the first floor button. It actually goes down. Right. But the person is shooting it, and there's actually a girl that gets on on the fifth floor, and you can hear the person just going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, and not pointing the the cell phone at the person. And it gets down to the first floor, and the person just walks off at, at a very, very fast pace. And then that's when the video ends. And it's just like, ah! Yep. I don't like this story. <laughs> I want to watch Steven Universe. Supposedly, it's an urban legend, Matthew, so there's nothing to be fe- uh, feared of, a scared of. Well, fortunately for me, no buildings in in this uh, part of the world are more than seven stories tall. Oh, no. There are 10-story buildings there in Topeka. No, there ain't. Yep. What do you have for your number one? Name one. (laughs) They're actually just two five-story buildings on top of each other. (laughs) We're really, really paranoid about 13th floor, so we only have four floors, and we just repeat. Well, look, I live in a duplex, and then I work in a building that has seven floors, so I can't do it. So, you know, I got that going for me, which is nice. All right. What do you have for your number one? My number one actually ties into a real experience that I had. And it's an experience that Widget, my daughter, who is now 12, loves to explain to people. And it goes like this. One time my silly dad did this. Well, it's actually a little more complicated than that. There is a particular song by the Electric Light Orchestra called Fire on High. Yeah, yeah. And Fire on High is uh, a song that ELO specifically made featuring a process called backmasking. Backmasking, for those who don't know, is the process of putting backward messages in your music. For a while, it was believed that you could use it to control people's minds. Or summon the devil. But the thing about Fire on High is that Fire on High has no lyrics Mm -hmm. other than the backmask lyrics. And the backmask lyrics are just the drummer saying the music is reversible, but time isn't. Turn back. Turn back. Right. And, and the phrase turn back, when you say it, backmask sounds like Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> no, does it? Matthew. Okay. All right. So I heard this song for the very first time in the year 1991. I was in a 1977 Dodge Magnum. It was dark. I had one headlight. 
Uh-huh. And I was driving to my mother's house. My mother lives in a city that you may have heard of called Sylvan Grove, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And in that city is the Garden of Eden, which oh, has a dead guy hell. in it. Oh. It's a yep. dead guy. And he's just and he's really there. dead. Yeah, and he's, and he's just in a box. Yeah. By the way, actual, actual real life, honest to goodness, just creepy places. Yeah, yeah. The Garden yes. of Eden. Yep. Really real. So I'm pulling into Sylvan Grove, Kansas, and I'm listening to ELO, and the song's going dun, 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 doodly, 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 doodly. And then all of a sudden, in my car, you hear windows Matthew. down, my music way up, and it's like, Matthew, 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 Matthew. And I look up, and the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. has angels and devils made of concrete. Yep. And it's poorly lit. And you're looking up out of a 1977 Dodge Magnum. And what do you see <laughs> but the freaking devil? <laughs> and you hear this voice. Matthew. You may have had a sandwich, but uh-huh. that's not important right now. I literally nearly died. I very nearly careened into the Garden of Eden and died i would have exploded it would have been terrible which is why my number one is backmasking <laughs> specifically yeah. things like you know the the hidden messages that are supposed to communicate with you or uh remember paul is dead yeah one of the beatles paul mccartney reputedly supposedly died in 1969 and most of the evidence is in backwards messages in the beatles music yeah turn me on dead man turn me on dead man Paul is right. dead. Rodrigo, oh. what do you have for your number the one? The devil. <laughs> he was right there above my dodge. You just had to play him the best song in the world. Dun, 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 dun. Boodly, 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 boodly. Yeah, it's a great uh, song. So um, you guys have experienced the dread of the crybaby bridge of Fremont, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. This, the eerie coincidence of the Escalante Petrified Forest, uh, the um, downright freakiness of the Hellgate in Stall, Kansas, but nothing can prepare you for Seattle's haunted soda machine. What? So apparently uh, there is, uh, confusingly, here in Washington, there is a place called Capitol Hill, just in case... You weren't confused enough when somebody says Washington, um, which Washington they're talking about. So Capitol Hill is kind of this like mall slash uh, kind of uh, commercial area. Mm -hmm. And there is a old soda machine like it's it has like all the old logos and stuff. And it's just kind of sitting there, supposedly. None of the people that live there or work there have ever seen anyone restock the machine. And yet, this machine is always stocked. It will frequently uh, vend older cans of things, but also has newer stuff. Um, It has, like, all the old logos and the buttons. It still works. It still functions perfectly. And it has a button that is just like this like kind of creepy circus looking thing that just says mystery. And if you put in your money and you press it, you will get a random can of something. Uh, supposedly uh, somebody in uh, on uh, the website Vice uh, tested it um, 
and they got out of that they put three dollars in and they got a Mountain Dew Whiteout, mm-hmm. uh, raspberry flavored Nesty Brisk, Hawaiian Punch, and a Grape Fanta from the Mystery Button. So it's just like super weird, and it's like you know they've gone in and they've interviewed people about it, and either literally everybody in this area is in on it, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and don't break character. They're like because it's just like interviews after interviews of like just kind of exasperated shopkeepers that are like seriously we've never seen anybody go into it and yeah i know i get it it's super weird but stop asking like no, nothing like we don't know what it is okay i don't own it nobody's ever seen anybody on it and like nobody ever breaks you know nobody's like hey, hey come here actually it's this guy like nobody knows but is this machine that's always stocked it's just there in the middle of it and nobody knows how the soda even gets in it the haunted machine of Seattle. Now, do you know where this is at? Uh, yeah, this is uh, near Capitol Hill. Go, uh, go to it. Go, go do it, Rodrigo. Go, do it. go there. Go see it. Uh, take pictures. Take of the it. elevator to take it. Take the videos. Do the elevator trick. Then go to the machine, and you'll see the guy stalking it. Yeah, that's probably right. And he'll be saying, "Matthew." No, he won't Matthew. be saying anything. He'll just. Burn Turn suit. to me, and then my radio will be like, Rodrigo, Rodrigo. Burn suit. Or Digor. When you backmask Rodrigo, it's uh, actually um, $7 sushi plate. <laughs> <laughs> Blue plate special. Have you guys... Uh, have you guys seen, I forget which band it is. This is something that's popped up in the radar in the last couple of weeks, but probably months and months and months ago, uh, depending you? on when you're listening to this. Uh, and, but there's a oh, band that if you look at, I mean, they've it's not backmasking, but it's a band that has encoded, if you look at the waveform or the spectral analysis of the track, it's got messages written in the uh, the spectral uh, analysis. Famously, yes. um, uh, what's it called? Aphex Twin. Um who's a techno guy, mm-hmm. uh, he has a track that part of it is just this like weird nonsense noise and it's like mm-hmm. grating. It's like, Brow! and then if you look at it in a, um, what would that be, like a spectrometer? No. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, something like that. Waveform, yeah. Yeah, like a waveform thing. It like, it makes his face. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's super weird. That is neat. All right, everybody, there you go. Urban legends, oh, some oh, are cool. funny. Like whale sperm that makes the ocean salty. I really wish you'd reversed to your order. Haunted <laughs> to haunted soda machines oh. in Capital City. All right. Now is the fun part of the episode. Fun part of the episode. This is where our listeners send us suggestions to podcast at majorspoilers.com. But before they do that, they head over to majorspoilers.com and in the comment section for this very episode, they list their Top five urban legends. Doesn't have to be scary story stuff. Just urban legend stuff. Stuff you would find on Snopes kind of stuff. Uh, top five urban legends. I want to read them. Matthew doesn't want to read them because he's home alone. Oh, I and, do. Uh, Macaulay Culkin is knocking on the door. And uh, Rodrigo definitely wants to read your uh, urban legends. Why? Because everybody loves a list. You guys just go ahead and do top five. I'll just come back once you cool down. <laughs> <laughs>